The politics of repression. Make no mistake about it. The legal institutions of liberal democracies are the instruments of repression. Wherever the tentacles of international capital penetrate, its representatives use whatever means necessary to assist in the exploitation of wage labour. Of course, these international capitalists will generate conflicts between themselves and the national bourgeoisie, and without doubt between themselves and the working class. The extent and nature of these conflicts are determined by the actual economic situation that exists in particular regions. But the crisis is dealt with at two levels. At the economic level, for example, we see movement of capital, alteration to production and marketing. The inability of the American motor car capitalists to compete with Japanese capitalists has left thousands of workers jobless throughout the world. The social effect of the struggle between capitalist and worker is felt at a second level, at the political judicial level, with changes in government and a declaration of state of emergency. There are two states of emergency that have been declared for political reasons in Queensland in the last generation. One was in 1971 during the Springbok tour where the Bjelke-Peterson government wanted to suppress the raising of the fact that the Queensland itself was under a similar apartheid system as exists in South Africa and, of course, in modern-day Israel. There was a second state of emergency declared in 1982, and I've just come from this weekend, gone by, for a commemoration, the 30th anniversary of the land rights marches that prompted the Bjelke-Peterson government in 1982 to effectively declare martial law against Brisbane blacks and their supporters. It can be a passing of harsh laws, there can be a deployment of troops, as happened in Newcastle in 1948 against the miners. Riot squads, as happened down in Melbourne, where they suppressed the protests against the globalisation in the early part of, um, of um, the century. From the policeman's and the policewoman's beat to the flying wedge at demonstrations in City Square, in the courts, in the offices of magistrates and judges, in the cabinet chamber, law is written, rewritten, interpreted and reinterpreted, forgotten or enforced in order to maintain the power of the rich people, to protect their property and to try to make sure any threat to their dominance is ended squashed or smashed. The general intent of the law is to protect the capitalists and their property. The day-to-day tasks of the police and legal institutions are set in this direction by the law, by the policy of the police ministry, the policy of the Justice Department and the open conspiracy of magistrates, judges and prosecutors. By open conspiracy I mean that only in special circumstances do judge and prosecutor conspire behind closed doors? For example, when the judge, prosecutor and your defence barrister retire to the judge's chamber during the trial, some amazing deals are cooked up. You have no knowledge of these deals. Rather, the conspiracy usually takes place by the judge and the prosecutor combining to confuse and twist the defence argument. A simple practice of presuming guilt and making it difficult to establish innocence. The law of necessity 
must present an image of impartiality. This attempt to disguise the real nature of law gives it the title of liberal justice. This is the justice of the state that portrays itself, flatteringly, as protecting people's rights, stopping people from hurting each other, protecting people's property and protecting freedom. So we have laws against murder and assault, against stealing, against drugs and drink driving. We have traffic police and a traffic code. Where, it may be asked, is the element which makes for class oppression. The ruling class, in writing down laws which protect themselves, create a social order for all of us. The theory of equality before the law does not mean in practice that a working class person who is a victim of a crime will receive the same legal satisfaction as when a bank or business is robbed. The simple fact is the capitalist law, even in its abstract written form, oppresses us under capitalism far more than it protects us from crime and criminals created by capitalism. Nonetheless, it is important for us to recognise the contradiction between law as it is written down and its actual practice by legal protectors, such as judges, magistrates and police. In the German ideology, Karl Marx distinguishes the idealist ruling class and the materialist ruling class. Judges are part of the idealist wing of the state. They abstract the material practice of class exploitation into law, pretending that it is fair, rational and a moral code. In its abstract form, law will disguise the fact that capitalism is based on violence and the political powerlessness of the working class. Marx goes on to say that idealist and materialist ruling classes will come into conflict. We see this occur when liberal judges say nasty things about police fabrication of evidence and violence. Bjorki Peterson, a materialist representative of the ruling class, and now Campbell Newman, who fulfills the same role, has defied the rich man's law on a number of occasions. Bjorki Peterson, to suppress charges against police who bashed a student over the head, and also protected the police that raided a hippie commune up in Cedar Bay that was reported by 4ZZZ at the time. The importance of using the contradictions between idealist judges and materialist police is discussed later on. I talk about this in a, in a political court defence. Not on this show, but at, at some later stage I'll go into that. However, it should not be thought that this is the same as expecting one arm of the state to help you in the fight against another arm. We should not expect, as the Labour Party does, that we can make the courts or the media our allies in the fight against Campbell Newman and his police. We should know about these contradictions, but we should realise that they're only of limited use to us. A Liberal judge under pressure is likely to shed his guise of fairness, which may give us grounds for appeal, but does not help us immediately. Written law, which is massive and confused, can only be, must be viewed, in the context of legal practice in our society. There are laws which are obviously repressive in both written form and actual practice. Two sets of Queensland laws provided good examples. For example, the, the laws of the past but that still exist in the Criminal Code 
against abortion condemned women to enforced motherhood and take any control over their future out of their hands. The old Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders Acts, which was the basis for the protests in 1982, which we've commemorated only in this past weekend, those laws, the Queensland Acts, placed back blacks under the control of a racist government administration. However, in many cases, the statutes themselves tell only half the story, and the oppressive weight of the law can only be testified to by those who have had the law used against them. While the law serves the general function outlined here, in certain circumstances, in the midst of capitalist crises, like the global financial crisis, or in the, middle, in the midst of an upsurgence of socialist organisation, the law has a special function, the repression of political opposition. We see the benign law turn malignant and the gallant police of, of the media turn to the armed force of the state. Gone is the mask of liberal fairness. The policemen and policewomen are the enemy, both the willing and the unwilling, and their function is to clear is clear to those who embark on the struggle. One example of this is what happened on Palm Island when a policeman killed Mulrungi. The people, in their dismay, in their upset, they wished to oppose the presence of the police on the island. They barricaded the airport. They insisted that the police leave. They threw rocks at the police headquarters. Uh, Sergeant Hurley's house was burnt down. But the repression of the state that followed was far more violent, far more severe, where children were held at gunpoint. Their fathers were tasered whilst they were handcuffed. They were taken off and dispatched to prison. And we know the story of Lex Watton, where he spent a long time in prison as a result of accusations that he somehow organised and led that riot. Anyway, the judiciary cannot escape. They too join the ranks of the right. They know clearly for what the state pays them. Justice is blind. The magistrate sees with a rare vision. From the benches they repeat again and again, you are guilty to a one if you dare to fight. These pillars of justice can, lead, can plead impartiality, but the working class finds them guilty. In the class struggle, they are on the side of private property.